Welcome to Cult Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6, on your pod dial, with me, your host, Django Nudo. And Der Schmutt <laughs> And together, we are Cult Picks. Yay. And we have been Cult Picks now for a whole month. Hooray. That's right. No birthday cake for us yet, but you know. It's been a month, and it's been, well, it feels like more like six months, to be honest, because I think we've squeezed a lot into it. But, um, yeah, remarkable. It is. I mean, it's, it's time flies, really, and this is our fifth podcast. It is, yes. No, we have, we've achieved, and not to be too self-congratulatory, because, of course, things could go horribly wrong tomorrow, and we had a few hiccups along the way. But on the whole, I feel, I feel things have gone, you know, overall pretty good, I have to say, considering that, how many streaming services have we launched before this? Zero. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done it. And there wasn't any manual how to do it either. Unfortunately, mm. Reed Hastings never wrote one for how to do it. Yeah, and we just order. read about some other uh, service where they were preparing for it for three years. Yeah, that's right. The Brazilian horror, Dark Flicks, mm. or whatever it's called. So yeah. three years and one million dollars he spent exactly. on it, I think. That seems like a lot of money. Yeah, and we have been planning this for, what, eight months? Mm, yeah, it was about... Something yeah, like no. that. Yeah, yeah. No, we still, I think you registered the Coldpix domain about a year ago. Yeah. So, and on the other hand, we have been working with this for 20 years. Well, yes. It, it's that old joke about, you know, you have to work a long time to become an overnight sensation. And we are not a sensation yet, but mm. we're definitely trying to get there. So why don't we throw in some semi-impressive statistics, three-figure stats, but still good. So we're still invitation only. So apologies to all those of you who are still waiting to get in. We will admit you before we throw open the gates to the Great Unwashed. Uh, but at the moment, we have to be sure that we can manage everything. And we have still, I think we've resolved the payment issue. We still have some issues with the SMS login. But overall, um, we have 200 people, over 200 people now who are paying members of Coldpix. And they're happy. We have received so much praise and so many wonderful words from people from all over the place and especially i think everything boils down to finally we get this you know streaming service that we always wanted yeah no it's where the what did the article say we show the films that other streaming services are afraid to show yep that's us so like you said we are on our fifth podcast um and we have a newsletter which goes out to over 2,000 people every week. And what's remarkable about it is not just that we spam people's inboxes, but we can see from MailChimp that between 45% and 55% of the people who get the email actually open it. I think I that's a, a kind of a record. It is. And I know enough about you know these kind of things to know that anything above, I think, 20% is considered good. Mm. I, I mean, they might delete it as soon as they've read the opening line, which is like, no, you're still not part of it. Um, but yeah, and you know, we try to make it informative and we don't have a big budget for marketing. So we try to just keep our members informed that way. Yeah. And we are doing lots and lots of silly things on, on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Yes. 
Today is Mother's Day in Germany and in US. So what's the film that we are highlighting today? Ma Barker's Killer Brood. That's right. Yeah. Pistol waving mama Barker. Yeah. It's a fun film. And it's that's the mother of all mamas. <laughs> she is, definitely. Check out Marbaker's Killer Brood if you want to mother-dominate a gangster film. Um, so we're active on social media as well. If you haven't followed us already, please do follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the usual ones. We haven't got around to TikTok yet because we're way too old. Are you on TikTok? Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm not allowed to. I'm too old for it. Yeah. There's, I think there's a cutoff point. Um, sexy, Maybe. sexy women over fifty, I think, have their own channel. Yeah. Somebody recently and, and told me, and I haven't been able to, to, you know, study any dance moves lately. So, no, you know, we'll wait we're, for that. We're, yeah, not gonna happen. Mm. So that's, um, yeah. And again, let's not spend too much time with the self congratulation, but and we should give a shout out again to all the wonderful people who've been helping us along the way. So our wonderful tech partners at Film Grail, who are very patient when we shout at them because the somebody can't get SMS to work or they're having some problems with a browser or something. They're usually nice about it. Yeah. And of course, our Italian friend. Ciao Simone. Simone! <laughs> Who's been great, really. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, and all the wonderful people who've been contributing in terms of, you know, our intro song and, and etc. So thank you to all of you. And, you know, we want to do more cool stuff with you as we move forward. Yeah. And also we can say that, you know, it's still a chance to, to uh, be an early, early bird uh, subscriber and get a, a, a good price until That's the right. end of May. Yep. No, once we throw open the gates to everybody, then you're going to be stuck with paying either $6.66 per month or, you know, you'll have an annual fee which is um much more than what you're paying at the moment. So, once you get the invitation, don't hesitate, sign up because this deal will not come back. And remember, whatever you're seeing on the site today in a year's time, it's going to be twice as good at least as what we're doing right now because by that stage we will have got our shit together yeah and we are adding about five titles every week and we've got some pretty amazing deals coming up i mean the kind of companies we're talking to again not to be a tease but we have some pretty impressive um well-known studios that uh, we're looking to do a deal with for some pretty incredible titles and films and tv and so on we do but First of all, or rather for the main thing uh, this week, um, we're going to get to our main theme. And before we do that, though, I do want to say that we will have a guest for next week's um, episode. Not going to reveal who it is, but definitely. So it, it's you won't just have to listen to the two of us uh, natural way. Um, but yes, the theme of this week, as people know from uh, visiting the site and reading the newsletters, is Nazis. I hate these guys. I hate them, too. Yes, which is a quote from? I don't know. Tell me. <gasps> Indiana Jones. Ah, there you go. Of course, lots of Nazis. That's there. too mainstream for me. I don't know. Yeah, these not cult enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, what we try to do is obviously, and the reason we're doing a Nazi theme, that's not because we're right wingers, but because today, or yesterday rather, with Victor in Europe Day, yeah. where fascism was conquered and Germany was liberated. Um, uh, except today's uh, the end of the Great Patriotic War in the Russia. So they're one day late. 
Anyway, it's the defeat of Nazism, and therefore we picked a variety of films with kind of Nazi themes, uh, kind of into four groupings. So shall we um, start off with the Naziest of them all? Nastiest. Nazi, Nazi, Nasties, yes. Yes, which Let's. is? Triumph des Willens. Yeah, Leni Riefenstahl. Triumph of the Will, if you are English speaking. Yes, which sadly is one of the most accomplished female directors of all time. Yeah. And it was made in 1935. Was it for the uh, party days? It was, yes. They were having a great old party in Nuremberg, <laughs> or rather a rally. Yeah, a um, rally. Yes, We should call it that. Um, and I mean, it's even even film mainstream filmmakers like Spielberg, you know, praise uh, Riefenstahl in terms of the te technical and aesthetic abilities of just sort of I mean, how she staged and captured it. I mean, the tracking shots. It was, you know, of course she had an infinite budget mm. for it. But I mean, as terms of a pure propaganda piece, it is you know even better probably than Battleship Potemkin or anything from the Russians or the communist Chinese. Yeah. But she was a very accomplished filmmaker, for sure. And it wasn't her first film, either. No, I mean, she started out earlier, before she went all propaganda. She was, uh, do, I think she was both starring and, and, and directing these Alp films, where they were, there were always some problems in the mountains with, with mm. uh, avalanches or whatever. And yeah. especially Der Blaue Licht, The Blue Light. I think that was one of her most famous films. And she had another um, epic film after Triumph of the Will as well in 1938. Yeah, she did the uh, the huge. It was actually a two part film called Olympia, mm -hmm. about the uh, Olympic Games in Berlin, which were you know, a lot of people from all over the world actually yeah. went there and and competed even during not the Nazi regime. Yeah, they did. Uh, Jesse Owens famously captured on film there winning and yeah. Hitler not shaking hands with him. Um, and then after the war, that was almost the end of her career, wasn't it? I mean, she did uh, travel logs and, and African yeah, documentaries. But she she made a bunch of, of photo books that are really incredible. She was she was uh, living with the Maasai warriors mm. in Africa. You know, the very yes. very tall warriors with the very long penises. And and uh, <laughs> there are actually photos with her. This small smallish. German yep. pale woman with these super tall, big cocked guys, yes. you know, nude guys. Mm. And it's quite astonishing, you know, thinking of what she stood for before. Yes. What would Hitler have said mm. if he'd seen that? Yeah. But um, interestingly, it's sidetracking slightly, and you might edit this out. But uh, on Netflix, there's a series with Fran Leibovitz called Pretend It's a City. And in one segment, she said she was actually invited to a dinner party in New York with Lenny Riefenstahl. So she could have gone and had dinner with Lenny Riefenstahl. And she turned it down. Wow. And she said, I do not want to have dinner with this woman. So mm. respect to her, you yeah. know, for yeah, taking for a stand sure. on that. Um, and we should also say, I mean, this Triumph of the Will, it comes... Um, from a um, from our good friends um, who published a beautiful DVD special edition of it. I mean, it, it's so elaborate. You'd think that it was um, from somebody who had very favorable views of, of kind of, of Nazi propaganda, but mm. that's not the case, is it? No, I mean, this is very special story about that. The the we we signed a deal with with uh, Synapse Films in Detroit for for um, Triumph of the Will. 
and uh, I, I've talked a lot to to uh, Jerry Chandler, who's the CEO of the company, uh, about this release. You know, it's it's like very controversial, just like the discussions about libraries: should they carry Mein Kampf or not? Yes. Um, and Jerry was mm. uh, quite hesitant before releasing it himself in the U.S. But then he had a discussion with his father, who who was uh, um, a concentration camp a Holocaust survivor who had lived through this hell. And he told his son that, Jerry, you must release the film, lest we forget. Mm. So it's very much... Uh, I mean, the idea is to show show the Nazism in all its ugliness, or in this case, its sort of shininess, which is just yeah. crazy. It's true. And to balance the fact that we are showing this Nazi propaganda film on cult picks, we try to balance it because we also included the uh, concentration camp documentary, which was shown in the actual war crime uh, trials in Nuremberg in 1945 as evidence of the atrocities of the Nazis. And this is really, I mean, whatever horror film you've seen, whatever you think you can see through, there, there are some pretty, um, you know, strong scenes which can churn anybody's stomach, um, but important, obviously, to remember these and lest we forget. Yeah. What's interesting about this is there were several of these kind of post-war concentration camp films, including one reportedly directed by Alfred Hitchcock. This is not it. Um, and actually, Hitchcock didn't really direct. He wasn't actually there in Germany. Mm. Uh, he was advisor more of it to uh, the film crew. And there's another one, a film called Death Mills, which is about half an hour documentary, which was made not to be shown at the trial, but to be shown to regular Germans. It's like, this is what your leaders did. Mm-hmm. And that was directed by Billy Wilder. And our friend Simona sent us um, a copy of it. And we haven't uploaded. Maybe we should upload it. But it's interesting, all these famous directors who were yeah. involved in some angle. But, of course, the war was all-encompassing. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. When when I used to work at the Cinematheque in, in Stockholm, we had Samuel Fuller as a guest. Oh, and, did you? Yeah, and he was... Uh, he was filming during the liberation of the concentration camps. Yeah. And that was so such a deep, you know, memory yeah. for him that during the Q&A, we were screening one of his other films. Mm. He couldn't stop talking about this period of his life. And he was yeah. sort of obsessed about it. It was very hard to talk about any other, you know, movies because yeah. of, of what he, you know, what, what he was subjected to in 1945. Yeah. But of course, so many of Hollywood's great were involved in actually fighting. I mean, and Jimmy Stewart flew bombing raids over Germany. Yeah. It was only the brave ones like, you know, Ronald Reagan who stayed behind and fought the Germans on exactly. the back lot of Warner Brothers. And I think, actually think that Joe Sarno was also a pilot during the ah, war. Yeah, 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 very possible. There's mm. not to mention the N-word, but another streaming service has a documentary called Five Came Back about five Hollywood greats who were in the war and how it shaped them. So, mm. but... Anyway, don't go on there. We've got plenty enough on our side. So the next thing to talk about is the kind of Hollywood films that were made during the war about um, Nazis. And of course, there were, you know, comedies like To Be or Not to Be, Ernst Lubitsch and, you know, The Great Dictator, the ones we all know about. But it's the, the exploitation ones that are the funny ones. So why don't we play us a clip from the first one? I said that to make an attempt on Hitler's life, would drink a blood purge on this district 
that would wipe out hundreds of innocent lives, including all of our loyal German friends. I will not be party to any such attempt. Who said anything about an attempt? I'll get to the guy. And when I get to him, it'll be an end to him and all his blood purges. And I ain't kidding, sister. The subject is closed. That was a clip from the film Hitler, Dead or Alive, which was one of many sort of B-movies um, about Nazi Germany or propaganda movies, you know, disguised as thrillers or whatever. It's a great premise, you know, send a bunch of people over to infiltrate Germany and, and bring back Hitler or kill him for one million dollars. Exactly. It's, it sounds a bit like, you know, Tarantino could have done a remake of it. <laughs> Yes, except, you know, it's not Brad Pitt, it's uh, Three Stooges, so it's sort of like, you know, Jim Carrey at his worst going out to try to catch Hitler. Mm. But again, an example of the kind of films you just didn't, or I didn't hear about in school, or even sort of in in kind of film education of the impact of the war, the exploitation. And then, of course, we've got Black Dragons with Bela Lugosi himself. Yes, poor guy, always typecast... As a bad guy. Evil Central Central European. Yeah, and and in this case, he also has to play the mad scientist again. So it's both a mad scientist and a Nazi. Mm. Double typecasting. Yeah, and the storyline is, as far as I understand, I haven't seen it yet. It's that he he is a crazy scientist operating on Japanese soldiers like plastic surgeries. So they look like Westerners and can infiltrate. Yeah, it's kind of like a Manchurian candidate, mm. um, but with Japanese and, and Nazis. So it's it's a fun little oddity. But of course, in real life, um, Bela Lugosi was quite quite the opposite. Yes, I mean he was very engaged in 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 the fight against Nazism, and and um, he was a he was he would help out to form the Hungarian American Council for Democracy, and he was calling Nazism. To, it should be wiped out everywhere. Mm. And also a member of the American Hungarian Relief. He was a keynote speaker at a rally in LA where he demanded that Washington rescue Hungarian Jewish refugees, for instance. Yeah, and this is in 1944 when everybody else were more focused on let's just win the war and worry about the Jews later. Mm. And of course, uh, Bela Lugosi had to play a Nazi again in 1943 in Ghosts on the Loose, which we also have on Cult Picks, which is a sort of silly haunted house comedy where he is a yep. Nazi spy in this haunted house. But let's have a clip from Black Dragons, probably his best Nazi performance. Oh. What is the matter with you? There was a horrible something in my room. Are you quite sure it wasn't a nightmare? Oh, it most certainly wasn't. There was no new room, miss. I couldn't find a trace. Shall I look outside? Yes, please do. No one. You see? You think my eyes are playing tricks on me? When a young woman's nerves commence to give way, it is time she sought refuge in a strong man's arms. I just ran into yours. Mine might be dangerous. You're a strange man. I've been trying to make you out. Quite right. Curiosity killed a cat. Oh. That was Black Dragons. Um, I've got a little 
Easter egg for you, smart peddler. You probably don't know this, and we haven't put it on there. But if we wanted to, we could actually put up on Cult Picks today a Donald Duck cartoon, and Disney couldn't sue us. Did you know that? I did not know that. I thought that Disney's lawyers were keeping copyright for eternity. Yes, Mickey Mouse will be copyrighted until the end of time and the heat death of the Mm. universe. But The Spirit of 43, as it's called, uh, is a cartoon that fell into public domain because it was made for the American government. And you see all the films made for or by the government of the United States are in the public domain. Mm. And what it's about is it's Donald Duck who's dealing with income taxes and explaining the benefits of the American war effort in a kind of short animated film made to educate people about, you know, buy war bonds and the kind of things. So, yes, there is a Donald Duck that the Disney lawyers cannot sue us for wow. showing if we wanted to. But I, I did not know this. That's that's incredible. I'll send you the link, but I, I think we, we probably won't put it on no, Cold Picks anyway. That's it's not cool. really cool. And also, of course, we have the... Uh, Speaking of the war effort in Hollywood, we have the amazing film Der Führer's Face with Donald Duck, which oh, was, was yes. also a propaganda film. Yeah. And incidentally, it was uh, it was banned in our home country of Sweden yeah. because the board of censors would not, they didn't want to upset the no. German regime. It was the same with the Hitler, uh, Hitler with Chaplin's Great Dictator, wasn't mm, it? It wasn't yes. allowed to be shown. It was shown after the war. Yeah. Would the Swedes have allowed a showing of Enemy of Women? I think they probably would. I'm not sure, yeah. but I think so, yeah. And this is another great little B film from 1944, which isn't about, it's about Nazis, but strangely not about Hitler. It's about Josef Goebbels. Yeah, the Dumas- propaganda minister. Yeah, tells his life story. So, you know, he's, he's not made out to be a very nice person, is he? No, I think it's the, the same story with him as with Hitler. I mean, if Hitler would have, you know, been accepted to the art school, maybe history would have changed. And maybe if Goebbels was actually, uh, if, if the girl he wanted would go for him, maybe he wouldn't have become the asshole he became later on. <laughs> to put it mildly, yes, failed playwright, propaganda man, turned propaganda minister. Yeah, because so. he—he's—it's all about him being very nasty against women when they don't want him. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, get rejected by a woman, turn into a Nazi. Mm. Simple explanation. Why don't we hear a clip from Enemy of Women? I think I can guess what brought you here, Maria. Frau Dr. Traeger. Your husband has been arrested and you suspect that I've had a hand in it. Well, as a matter of fact, I have. But there's no hurry. Nothing has happened to him yet. It's only ten minutes past twelve. The Gestapo have not even started to question him. Could you? All right, Maria. Here is the situation. From the very first moment that I met you, I, shall we say, fell in love with you. Quite madly, I can assure you. But I failed to win you. You are the one open account in the ledger of my life. Now I am prepared to close that account. Welcome, ladies, to Love Camp. Number seven. At the moment, perhaps some of you feel you're unfortunate. 
But let me assure you that your being sent to Love Camp 7 was by far the most pleasant of all alternatives. I cannot guarantee you that you will love Love Camp 7, but I can guarantee that you will love in Love Camp 7. You have been brought here for one purpose and one purpose only. That is to please the frontline officers of our armies. I and my men will see to it that you please them entirely. To please will be your only function. Well, that wasn't just Enemy of Women. So what was that second clip we heard? Yes, now we have moved on to the late 60s with the, like probably one of the first films in the next wave of really rough uh, Nazi exploitation films and it's called Love Camp 7 and it was made by the notorious Lee Frost who uh, made a lot of really really weird films Mm. and in short um, just to give you a flavor of this crazy film it's about two lieutenants with photographic memories and big bosoms who volunteer to infiltrate Love Camp 7, a women's prison of war camp. There are physical exams, dyke doctors, manhandling, bootlicking, and an orgy that turns into a bloody massacre. Mm. How's that for, for, for an action movie? Put all of that on the poster. Yeah. And, and they did. And it's, it's a rough one. Yeah. Now, what I didn't know about is I knew that it was a Nazi exploitation film, but what I didn't know until I read up on it is that it was the original Nazi exploitation film. I mean, everybody's heard of Ilse, She-Wolf of the SS, but this is the one that kicked it all off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this was the first one. And then we saw a peak in the in the mid-70s of all of these films, both from the US, but a lot from Italy. And the Italian ones were even more perverse than the American ones. So what is it with Italians? And what, why all these Nazi films from Italy do yeah, we know? Why didn't they make some Mussolini films? That's true. I mean, yeah. I can understand why the Germans didn't do Nazi exploitation, sure. but yeah, yeah it's interesting. surely something more than Allo Allo from, from Britain or even France or Spain. But no, Italy, cornered yeah. the market yeah. in Europe. And Lee Frost, he couldn't stay away from the theme, so he later on moved on to to make one of the more bizarre uh, mixes of genres, namely mm. The Black Gestapo from 1975. Yes. And it's actually a black Nazi exploitation film. And we can listen to a little clip from this funky Nazi movie. They had to become the Black Gestapo, the new master race. Shot one of my soldiers. See, we got a new deal now. You shoot one of my soldiers, and I shoot one of your gorillas. I mean, they made a call on us, and we got in, right? This is now my army, and we're at war. The Black Gestapo. When they declare war, it's all out. That was Black Gestapo, and frankly, fascism has never sounded so funky. 
No, I mean, this is just insane, this movie. Uh, we have a 35 millimeter print of the film in, in pristine condition in our collection, oddly enough. Yeah. But it's about a black power leader who... Um, his predecessor clears up the ghetto from the white drug lords. But uh, this guy, he dresses up his henchmen in Nazi uniforms and has a mm. harem of white women. One yep. of them being Ushi Degard with roots in the Sweden. Famous. And it's just such a perverted film. And the ending, I, I have to spoil it for you guys. Go on, but spoil it. It ends, I mean... It, the end, it ends with the film gets in reverse in terms of color. So it goes into negative, which means yep. the black leader's face turns white. And the, well, the uniform also, of course. And superimposed on this are, is an authentic speech by Adolf Hitler. So it's just, yeah. you know, to compare... It's, it's not what you would call subtlety. No, I mean, to compare black power, the black power movement with, with Nazi Germany, that's, that's a stretch. It is, frankly, offensive. Yeah, but yeah. Um, then again, the, the people involved, I, I saw one of the people starring in Love Camp 7 is David F. Friedman, yes. who also couldn't stay away from Nazi exploitation. It's true. He he was, um, yeah, he was, always had a little cameo part in, in different films. Mm. Now, what I don't know if you know about this um, is that this is one of the three films in the Cold Picks collection that are officially video nasties. The oh, films yeah. that were banned on video in the UK in the 1980s and 1990s. Do you know what the other two are? Uh, tell me. Um, so one is Driller Killer, mm. very famously. And the third one is Don't Look in the Basement. Oh, yeah. We have to find more and we have to include them. But this is interesting. So coming back to and finishing up on Love Camp 7, it was... Declined a video certificate, so effectively banned by the British Board of Film Classification, in 2002. It was also rejected by the New Zealand Office of Film and Literature Classification. I didn't know that they had to classify literature in New Zealand, but Oops. clearly they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And, but here's the kicker. In UK, the BBFC, um, quoting from Wikipedia, upheld their rejection of the film when it was submitted for a certificate for streaming in 2020. Wow. So technically, you probably can't watch Love Camp 7 on Cult Picks if you're in the UK. Unless you have your curtains drawn. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So don't do that, because BBFC will not like you. Mm. They, they have cameras everywhere. Yes. They know who you are. And they will are. spank you, mm. because they're British. It's so crazy. That concludes, I think, Love Camp 7 and everything. So now we're coming into, you've, we've already touched upon this with, but... Obviously, there were a whole bunch of Nazi-related films. Some were art house and, and worthy. Um, the Night Porter springs to mind uh, as kind of one of the more sophisticated um, takes on the whole theme of guilt and Nazism. And then we have, I think, what is officially the worst ever Nazi-theme-related I film. won't argue against that. <laughs> and it's on our collection. In our collection, it's we've even uh, issued it on DVD. Let's hear a clip here. Hey, you old son of a bitch! Ha <laughs> you look great. And you and changed it all since that. Yeah, an Angola mess up. Yeah, we were lucky to get our asses out of there alive. Hell, you been working? Yep. Steve Milanesen, restaurants in Düsseldorf. My lady friend was boss. Huh? Yeah, I just a sour brat and a kartoffel mostly. Until she booted me out. <laughs> you? 
Ah, oh, I spent the last four years doing investigation work for some insurance agency. Exciting, huh? Mm. Well, soldiers of fortune have gone out of style. Well, not completely. We have a job if you want it. See, this comrade, my father, he phoned me the other day. Right, Smud Peddler, take us out of our suspense. What was that we just heard? This is a late uh, Joe Sarno film. Joseph W. Sarno made a lot of erotic films in the U.S. and a lot of erotic films in Sweden. And uh, he's, you know, he was called the, the Ingmar Bergman of 42nd Street. And this is so far away from those films that you can come. A- apart from actually Harry Reams being the, the lead actor in this action movie. But he's not taking his clothes off. The suspense is killing me. What's it called? SS Operation Wolf Cub. (laughs) And it's about a mercenary who comes to Sweden to infiltrate a Nazi training camp in the woods of the region Dalarna. As you do. As you do. Or Friday, as I call it. Yes. (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's it's nonsense. And um, the whole cast, apart from Harry Reams, speak some sort of... Very strange English. And let me get this straight. It's a Joe Sarno film. Harry Reams, the reamer, is in it. There is no nudity or sex. Yeah, I think he's making out in a scene, but basically it's no sex and, I mean, no no deep-throating at all. I've, I've got a confession to make. This is one of our films that I have not seen. I mean, it. you didn't exactly sell it to me when I first came across it, but I have yet to make its acquaintance. I think you, you should watch it because there are some really lovely, authentic um, sceneries from Stockholm in 1983 that are not there anymore. Oh, so you can oh, watch, so it's you not can just watch it for the sightseeing. Okay, so I should see it like a, a kind of travelogue. SS Operation travelogue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I've, exactly. I've watched films for worse reasons. So Why not? As is Operation Wolf Cub. Um, do we want to say anything about um, some of the other films? I mean, the, I mean, there are so many Nazi-related films up until, of course, you know, more recent ones like, um, well, ones with Brad Pitt in them. I think have they been the biggest. Yes, yeah, so of course, but... Inglorious Bastards, and and you have that but the tank film, the tank well. film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tank film as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, filmmakers have been obsessed with with this period of time for for. For forever, I mean, it's it's it, it's the it's the uh, it's the 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 most evil regime ever in the world. Obviously, it's it's yes. you're bound to make a lot of fiction about it. But I mean, from the mid seventies, we just you could you know we could just mention a few of the more notorious titles. I found a few Let's. posters in a collection I bought the other day of um, the Red Knights of the Gestapo, Le Lunghi Notte della Gestapo. An Another Italian, Italian film, one, yeah, from course. 1977, where industrialists plot to overthrow Hitler, but they are, uh, you know, they are being hunted down by this Nazi officer, and obviously, as they do in all of these films, he recruits a bunch of beautiful women to seduce the traitors. Of course, and and that is like a recurring theme. I'm also thinking of of uh, Fräulein in uniform. Mm. Um, by Erwin C. Dietrich, who was like an, I think, an Austrian filmmaker. Yes. And uh, this is also about women, uh, volunt- German women volunteering at the end of the war to go out to the front lines to have sex with the brave Nazi soldiers. Yes. But when they start having sex with each other, things get complicated. 
Mm. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and this is a film we hope that we can negotiate for. It's it's uh, it's in a lot of books. It's called one of the worst films ever, or at least has the worst film poster ever. But mm. I, I would I would really love to see it. Me too, but I'd be afraid to put up the poster with the podcast because I think that might get us kicked us off. Probably, Apple yeah, and other ones too. And and then there's a, you know, it's, you spoke about art, arty films, and and the Night Porter. Uh, let's listen to a, a clip from something kind of arty, but still dirty. Ballenberg, I need about twenty girls. This time, it's not only be beautiful, but intelligent. And above all, good national socialist. <laughs> and have fun, Balaban. <laughs> I have in my hands that own cigarette of everybody just. They are all my And that was a clip from Salon Kitty. 1976 by Tinto Brass, starring one of Ingmar Bergman's favorite actresses. Yeah, Ingrid Tulin. You've seen her in a lot of Bergman's movies. Mm. And here she plays the Madame Kitty, who is uh, forced by the Nazis. She can choose going to a concentration camp or reopening her brothel, right. uh, which is now filled with microphones so the Nazis can listen to high-ranking officials. Mm. And, yes. as they and say, based on a true story. Based on a true story. Based on the Second World War. No, more true than that, even. Yep. Um, and, of course, Tinto, famous exploitation director. Oh, yeah. And he was supposed to make a, you know, a sort of Ilsa-type film, but he yes. he went for the uh, the dark political satire instead. And, and it's, a mm. rough, it's a rough movie. It was... Banned in Italy, it was banned in Norway for 27 years. I think it's allowed now in Norway. And yeah, but then again, so was Life of Brian. True, so that's true. Norway. Yeah, but then it was cut with uh, uh, the mighty 23 minutes in the US. Wow, that doesn't need very much, I think. No. Um, sadly, not one we have yet on Cult Picks, but hopefully, hopefully, yes. you never know in the future. We should definitely get more Tinto Brass. Yeah. And then, of picks. course, Tinto Brass went on to make the legendary Caligula. With Dame Helen Mirren in yes. the nude. Which is something of a crazy train wreck, but still yep. very, very interesting. Should we play from a clip from another, perhaps the most famous Nazi exploitation film, which as of yet is not on cult picks, we have to say, unfortunately, but it is the one that most people would have heard of. They say the fear of pain is sometimes greater than the actual pain itself. <laughs> Do you know what this is? Hmm? <laughs> Looks harmless, doesn't it? Matter. Hmm? <laughs> uh, 
And that was a audio illustration of Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, which of course spanned, was it two sequels or it three sequels? It was two sequels. It was supposed to be a third. And I have to tell this story because uh, after Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS was, of course, Ilsa, Tigress of Siberia. Mm. And after that was Ilsa, Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks. But there was supposed to be a fourth film. The film was to be titled Ilsa Meets Bruce Lee in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Just throw everything in there. And yep, the kitchen sink. But sadly... Was it in 3D? <laughs> might have been. But sadly, he passed away before they could make the film. Damn it. Filmmakers out there seize this opportunity. It's a film calling to be made. Dying to be made, yeah. Dying to be made, yes. So... Um, well, we could talk forever, and this is without any experts in the room, about Nazi exploitation. Uh, it would be remiss not to wrap also by a, a shout out to our friends in Finland. Um, although it falls outside the cult picks uh, timeline of 1910 to 1990, um, they did, of course, bring back the schlocky Nazi exploitation genre with Iron Sky. True that. And the, the sequel. The Nazis never went away completely. They just moved to the dark side of the moon. They did indeed. Another back, not just for two films, but a year television series as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, I should get around to watching that at some point. Well, I think we've geeked out enough on um, the Third Reich and Nazis. So for next week's theme, let's let's do something much nicer than that. We're not going to say just what yet, but it'll be something nice. On the lighter side. Definitely on the lighter side. Yeah. Or Still maybe nudity and violence. Nude, that Those do seem to be running themes in the mm. Cold Picks films, yeah. so I would not rule that out. But shall we end on something lighthearted, which I didn't know about, but apparently you'd seen it in school. Yes, this is a, a parody that was made you know, around the years when Leni Riefenstahl was on, uh, on her height of, of propaganda filmmaking in Germany. Yes, 1941, which is when the UK's Ministry of Information, which is a polite word for propaganda, uh, released Hitler doing the Lambeth Walk, which is effectively a remix of Triumph of the Will. Yeah, it was postmodernism before it was invented. <laughs> it went viral before there was an internet. True. They they sent out this two-minute film to um, newsreel organizations all over the world to splice in for free. And have a good laugh at the Nazis doing the Lambeth Walk, which was a, a degenerate song, I think, the Nazis thought. Or maybe had a Jewish composer, but or they just hated jazz and, mm. and things that weren't umfa umfa. Yeah, and they have edited the the, the footage from, from Triumph of the Will by Leni Riefenstahl in rhythm with this very lighthearted, funny song, which makes the uh, Nazi parades look super silly. They do. It's it's the Ministry of Silly Walks with Nazis goose-stepping backwards and forwards and tapping around. So, yeah. um, I'm, it, unfortunately, we can't show it to you because we're... But is, uh, it, is it available only. on YouTube? Yeah, it's available on YouTube. Yeah. So, I'll put in the link uh, to it, but it's also in the newsletter. And also, if you just do a quick search for uh, Hitler doing the Lambeth Walk, um, you will find it. But we can definitely play your clip from it. And apparently Joseph Goebbels, the man who hated women so much, 
uh, was so upset when he saw it screened that he ran out of the screening room kicking chairs and sort of cursing in general because I think they managed to hit the Nazis where it really, really hurt, which is with humor. Yeah, always works. So we're going to finish with that clip. That's all from us from this week at Cult Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6 on your pod dial. With me, your host, Django Nudo. Und ich bin der Schmutzpettler. <laughs> Until next week. Take care. <laughs>